2: This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Monday, April 10th edition of VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke, happy to be with you here as we kick off another week of the show. A lot to talk about from what happened over the weekend. Also a big 14-game card here on Monday in Major League Baseball, so lots and lots of stuff to get to here on the podcast however I do want to start with a quick note here we got a lot of content over at vsyn.com. check out everything that we have to offer NBA playoffs coming up I know Jonathan Von Tobel Kelly Bidlin and everybody else that does NBA including Zach Cohen over at the website are going to be all over the NBA playoffs NHL playoffs coming up as well so Andy McNeil covering those for you over at the website Uh, we just finished up the Masters a lot of great coverage with that but now we're kind of also shifting our focus to the NFL Draft, where we'll have a lot of coverage both on air and over at vcin.com. So great time to subscribe, and you can do that for an introductory offer of $9.99 over there at the website. So a good opportunity to check out what we're about. Also, you get some, I think it's 10 free page views, even if you don't have an account. So you can still go over there, look at our premium content, see if you think it's worth the investment. I'm a little bit biased, and I do write some of it, so I would say it's worth the investment. But Go see for yourself over there at com, And also, if you get the chance, head to wherever you get your podcast content, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever the case may be. Give us a five-star review here for the vcin Daily Baseball Bets podcast or Hardwood Handicappers or our vcin Hockey podcast or Long Shots or GM Shuffle, anything that we do here. Go ahead and throw a five-star review on mine or my friends' podcasts here. I got a nice note from... MJK9825 in the comments, Uh, an Apple reviewer saying, really enjoying the podcast. I'm from a previous generation and don't understand much of the analytics, but the content is fast paced and you make it easier for me to understand great work. And to be honest with you, that's what matters to me. You know, Being able to share baseball from a little bit of a different standpoint, a little bit more of an analytics driven standpoint, but to do so in a way that people can understand. And that's been my goal for a long time in this business as a baseball blogger. All the things I've been associated with in terms of Major League Baseball and Sabermetrics. That's my goal is to bring you a different perspective, but also to do it in a way that's pretty easy to understand. And I actually got the thought this morning that on Monday episodes of Easton Daily Baseball Bets, I'll have a stat of the day where I'll talk about a sabermetric stat, a stat that I use in my handicapping kind of elaborate on it a little bit, give you more of an idea of what it means, why it's important to me, and how we can use it in that betting process. So I'll do that in a couple of minutes here. But again, if you get the chance to give a five-star review to any of our podcasts, I greatly appreciate it. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some larger-scale trends that we're seeing in Major League Baseball for this season. And, And this is one that kind of I keyed in on over the weekend and wanted to give an update on it. So from a statistics standpoint, because of the sample sizes that you need for some of these metrics in Major League Baseball, you have what's called a stabilization point. And for some of them, it's a little bit on the lower end. For some of them, it's on the higher end. For some of them, the stat is so open to variance that it simply never stabilizes. Batting average on balls in play and left on base percentage are two stats that within the course of an MLB season will not reach a stabilization point. So BABIP and left on base percentage are two stats that I will look at a lot throughout the course of the season, looking for some betting impact and some things that we can do with those two numbers. However, one stat that does have a really low stabilization point. Some people also call this a point of significance is walk rate BB percentage that's based on balls percentage. And I think this has a lot to do with the pitch clock. Now, it could also be because it's early in the season and I you know, I've heard some managers and I've read some managers say that the ball is a little bit slicker, uh the weather is obviously not great, guys maybe having a little bit of difficulty kind of loosening up stuff like that. But I think the pitch clock does have a lot to do with this that the Major League Baseball walk rate over the weekend 9.9% from Friday to Sunday and the full season number sits at 9.3%. Now, again, I've talked about how we have kind of these cycles within every turn through the rotation, where the number one and number two starters are doing just fine for the most part, and the back-end guys are really struggling with the rule changes, the shift band, the pitch clock, additional traffic on the bases, containing the running game, so on and so forth. But this past weekend, you know, we did have a lot of these back-of-the-rotation starter-type guys out there, and almost a 10% walk rate over a three-day sample size, is really, really high. So the full season number at 9.3% for the walk rate is the highest we've seen since the 2000 season at 9.6%, and among the highest we've seen since the late 40s and early 50s. So we're seeing a lot of walks now for this season. More walks, more base runners, more offense. And we can actually see if we look up and down the betting markets here, you know, it does appear to me that not only are the odds makers starting to account for this, but betters are accounting for this as well. When you look at the the first game on the board by rotation number here, the Marlins and the Phillies. I don't have a play on this game, but you got the Marlins dollar thirty dollar twenty five road favorite with Sandy Alcantara on the mound. Not a big surprise. Complete game shutout in his last start. Matt Strom going for the Phillies. You have Alcantara, a guy that is the reigning Cy Young Award winner, as I mentioned, just through a complete game shutout. Had, I think, four or five of them last year, even. That total is eight. And it's not warm or anything in Philadelphia here today. But this one got bet up from seven and a half to eight. And we've seen a lot of games get bet up here, at least a half a run from a total standpoint. If not, you know, just seeing kind of a move on the juice where it's been shaded a little bit towards the over. And that game specifically with the Marlins and the Phillies is indicative to me of what the trend is from a betting standpoint around the league and also the fact that odds makers are adjusting, but bettors don't think that they're adjusting enough. Because when you look at Miami, I mean, they're scoring 2.7 runs per game. This is a pathetic offensive team. This has been a pathetic offensive team for a long time. I know David Behrman, previously of ESPN, now I believe he's at the uh, Pro Football Network or, or something like that as their director of content, but he's been tweeting about how like, the Marlins team total under is like own a private yacht kind of territory here. It's been very, very profitable this season. It was very profitable last season as well. It's not really a secret that the Marlins can't score. And then you put the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner out there, and this total is eight? That was a really, really interesting thing to kind of wake up to here this morning. Where I thought seven and a half with a little bit of under juice or a little bit of over juice was probably a pretty good number. But now we're at eight and even seeing some of the sharper books out there in the marketplace showing a little bit of juice on the over eight in a game that would be projected to have a really low scoring expectation. So offense definitely appears to be up around the league for a variety of different reasons. But I think one of them is just simply more base runners and more walks are being part of that process. More singles, of course, with the shift band and and all that kind of thing. But the walk rate is definitely up. And I don't know if that's going to, you know, kind of stabilize a little bit and get, get a little bit lower because I think the pitch clock is having a really big impact on that. The other thing I wanted to talk about here coming out of the weekend is, you know, over the first few days of the season, I noticed a few things. One was that pull percentage was way up and ground ball percentage was way up. Well, both of those have kind of stabilized a little bit now as well. And much like walk rate and also strikeout percentage stabilize at smaller sample sizes, ground ball percentage, fly ball percentage, and line drive percentage all stabilize at a pretty small sample size of batted ball events as well. So the fact that ground ball percentage has now regressed back to being pretty close to the league average over the last five seasons is really interesting to me. Because I would have expected an increase in ground balls with the shift gone, lefties going, you know what? I can pull it through the infield now. Righties doing the same thing. But we've actually seen the ground ball percentage go down over the last week or so to now fall in line with previous seasons. So that's an interesting thing where I had a theory and it's been debunked. I expected more ground balls. I expected more pulled singles, stuff like that. But we're seeing about the same rate of ground balls that we've always seen. So I anticipated a change in in batting philosophy and hitter mindset that the data is not backing up. So that's an adjustment that I have to make, specifically when looking at ground ball heavy types of pitchers. So, you know, you come into the season with some thoughts. Maybe they don't work out. The big thing is adjusting to what the data is telling you instead of just digging in and trying to continue to prove your point. You know, there's a ton of ego in the betting world. I mean, take a look on Twitter and you see that pretty evidently. But for me, that doesn't do me any good. That doesn't do you any good. So the fact that I've seen over the first two or so weeks of the season here, you know, that we don't really have what I expected to see means I have to adjust and I have to adjust quicker. So poll percentage is still up a little bit. It's the second highest since 2010, second only to the COVID year. Part of that could be, again, the higher walk rate more guys pitching behind in the count that gives you a better opportunity to pull the ball because you're able to kind of eliminate pitches and stuff like that but the biggest thing is the ground ball percentage has stabilized here so even though ground ball pitchers may be giving up a few more hits here and there I'm not going to punish them as much as I previously expected to so that will that is an adjustment that I have to make here as we go forward Uh, And then the other thing, you know, as I said, the pull percentage kind of stabilizing a little bit. It's still a little bit high, but this will be something to follow as we go throughout the course of the season, as the weather gets warmer, because we do have more walks. We do have some more base runners. The batting average on balls in play is still up a little bit, but it seems like there's a working theory out there that the ball is going to carry a little bit more once the weather warms up. Uh, We've seen a little bit of an uptick in home run to fly ball percentage this season. So if that ends up being the case and hitters are still pulling the ball at a little bit higher of a rate than normal, that could create a lot of offense in May, June, July, August, and maybe even the early part of September. So I'll still be tracking the data to keep an eye on that. But look, you know, one thing I want to mention really quickly here before I get too much deeper into the show is that these Monday episodes may be a little bit longer just because we're coming out of the weekend. You know, I'm not doing shows on Saturday and Sunday, at least as of now. And there are some things that, you know, I'll kind of need to catch up on when we get out of the weekend. And these were a couple of them, I think to not only illustrate what's going on in major league baseball, but also to show you the importance of being adaptable as a handicapper and, and not just locking in and getting tunnel vision, but understanding that something you believe may happen may not be the case. And that's what it seems like for me right now with the ground ball rates. So Uh, Again, we'll see how that impacts my game-by-game handicapping, but it is something I wanted to mention here at the top of the show. All right, so I mentioned on Mondays going forward, I'll do a sabermetric stat of the day and kind of talk about the importance of the stat, how I use it in my handicapping, why I use it in my handicapping. And I want to start with one that I've used quite a bit already in my articles over at vSyn.com. If you've checked them out, you've certainly seen this. And I know that there's a lot of acronyms, a lot of stats, a lot of formulas. I'll try to keep this as simple as I can because the nice thing about all these stats is places like Fangraphs, they're going to calculate this for you. You don't have to know what the formula is. You just have to know what the stat means and what the importance of that statistic is. And my favorite stat is WOBA, W-O-B-A. And that stands for weighted on base average. So when you think about Major League Baseball, right? When you think about batting average, for example, right? Hits divided by at-bats. Every hit counts the same, right? With batting average, there's no way to differentiate a single from a double, a double from a triple, a double from a home run. There's no way to differentiate that, right? On base percentage, same thing. You know, a walk is treated the same as a single. A walk is treated the same as a home run. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? because those two things are not created equal. Sure, from a batting average standpoint, they're created equal. That stat's been around for 140 years. On-base percentage really perked up in the 2000s with the moneyball, you know, the the great book by Michael Lewis and you know all the talk about what small market teams were doing, how, you know, going up to the plate, your job as a hitter is not to make it out. You know, so you saw Oakland kind of focus on taking more pitches, drawing walks stuff like that. Well, what weighted on base average does is it takes those outcomes, assigns a run value to them, and then puts them into a formula where a single is more valuable than a walk. A double is more valuable than a single. A home run is more valuable than a walk. Stuff like that. So weighted on base average to me I think is a better indicator of not only offensive performance, but also pitching performance, because you're going to carry a higher weighted on base average if you're giving up a lot of home runs, or if you're just giving up a lot of extra base hits in general. So that's what weighted on base average does. It doesn't treat walks or singles the same. It doesn't treat doubles the same. It adds a run value to them and the thing that's really interesting about this season is that and you can see the constants, which are the weighted numbers over at fan graphs. What's really interesting about this season is that we see that because offense is up around the league, you've got a situation where all of these outcomes are worth a little bit more. Right. So the weighted run value of a walk this season is 0.707 runs. That's the highest it's been since 2009. A single 0.894 runs, the highest it's been since 2014 or since, excuse me, since 2010. A double, actually not worth quite as much as it was last season, interestingly enough. But these WOBA things change throughout the course of the season. But to me, I think it's really important, especially when you look at platoon splits, you know, performance against left-handed or right-handed pitching, because that's another good indicator, specifically on the pitcher side, of a guy with a higher WOBA is giving up more extra base hits to you know, left-handed or right-handed batters. And it's important to know those things because extra base hits are largely how you score runs. This year's run environment is certainly a little bit different, to say the least, but in the high strikeout environment, you know, singles for several years in a row just weren't worth as much because there were more strikeouts. You needed to string together more of these singles because guys just weren't putting balls in play. Well, this year, you got more walks, you got more singles, you've got a higher offensive environment. And the nice thing about woba and any of the weighted or adjusted metrics that are out there, they can account for changes in the overall run environment. So you may have had, you know, a few years ago where having a 250 batting average was pretty good. But if you think back to, you know, the 2000s, being a 250 hitter was not good. Well, that's what some of these weighted or adjusted metrics can kind of compare from year to year, from era to era, stuff like that. But again, for weighted on base average, the reason why I use it is because I think it's a much more detailed indicator of hitter performance and pitcher performance because it doesn't treat all of these things as being equal. And frankly, they're not equal. So that's what WOBA, W-O-B-A is. You can read more about it over at Fangraphs.com. I also put something uh, in my preseason stat glossary about WOBA and the importance of looking at that stat. But, you know, this year, the league average weighted on base average is 324. Last year, it was 310. So, again, it's showing you the weighted increase of these ways of reaching base and how they're going to have impacts in a higher run environment. So as I said, I'll be doing this every Monday here, kind of looking at at least one stat. And I do you know, kind of incorporate them as I go throughout the daily article and, and throughout the podcast and my handicapping as well. But you know, I just kind of wanted to focus in on one here and just talk about you know, the importance of a stat like that. And I will do that going forward. And honestly, hit me up on Twitter, at Skating Tripods. Uh, you can email me, uh, aburk at vcin.com. If there's a stat you want to know more about, if there's a request you have for the show, in terms of a stat for me to discuss, send it over. You know, I'm happy to do that. I like feedback. I like audience participation. I'll take constructive criticism. Uh, If it's going to be, you know, F you, your picks suck. Well, that doesn't really help me any. But if it's going to be, you know, hey, I'm I'm really curious about this or, you know, I want to know more about this, just hit me up. I'm happy to answer those questions. Uh, Look, I, I think that, you know, something that's, Kind of a a problem in this industry is just a lot of people, you know, putting picks out there, just tailing picks, not going through the thought process, not really thinking a whole lot about them. That's not what I want to be. And that's not what I want my listeners to be. I I want this to be, you know, a, a thing where we're all going in the same direction here. And if that means using the stats that I supply, or if that means just listening to this to learn about looking at baseball in a different light, whatever it is, I'm just happy to have you here. Uh, on the show and hello to any of the new listeners we have i know we've had a few weeks of the podcast here so far but for anybody just finding us now uh, thanks for finding the show hope you've enjoyed what you've heard so far and uh, hopefully i can continue to bring you some content that will help as we go throughout the major league baseball season coming up next my card for monday around major league baseball
3: Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L E E S A dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
2: All right, back after the break here on V SIN Daily Baseball Bets. As I mentioned at the top of the show, 14 games on the board for Monday. Let's talk about a few of the games that I don't have plays on really quickly. I already mentioned, you know, that Marlins and Phillies game where you've got Sandy Alcantara against Matt Strom and, you know, a total of eight there, which seems a little bit high given the pitching matchup and also the difficulties for the Marlins offense here this season. But look, those are things that I try to do throughout the course of the year is even if I don't have a play on a game, I'm trying to read the market. I'm trying to see how things are kind of setting up here, and that brings me to this Brewers and Diamondbacks game with Wade Miley and Zach Gallen. And one of the things that I like to say that I've said in my podcasts before that I also put in the daily article here today is that sometimes the line move that doesn't happen says more than the line move that does. And in this case, you've got Zach Gallen. You've got a Diamondbacks team that we all came to an agreement coming into the season that this is a team that the new rules would benefit them. You've got Gallon, a guy that is a market darling. This guy gets bet on almost every time he's on the mound. On the other side, you've got Wade Miley, who the market loves to bet against. Because Wade Miley is a guy, the stats are never all that special. The strikeout rate is never that great. Usually when he has a good season, his ERA is a lot lower than his FIP, which would imply some negative regression coming his way. The market wants to bet on guys like Zach Gallen and bet against guys like Wade Miley. We're not seeing that today. And that's one of those line moves that really stands out to me. We're actually one of those line moves, one of those, excuse me, one of those games where there should be a line move, but there isn't. And those are the types of games that stand out a lot to me. and. I don't know how this game plays out tonight. I wound up not having a bet on it, but those are really interesting games that I file away in the back of my mind. Is it because Zach Allen's had a couple of rough starts here so far? Maybe, but also he's faced the Dodgers and the Padres. So you have to put that into the proper context. Does this mean that the betting markets maybe believe that Milwaukee is as good as they've played here so far? That's a possibility. I don't really believe it. I think they're getting a lot of production and power from the bottom of the order that I don't know if that's going to be sustainable, but that was a game where I would have expected Gallon to move up a little bit or maybe the odds makers are just getting hip to the fact that Gallon gets bet almost every time he's out there and possibly set that line a little high, but that was a fascinating game to take a look at there uh, in the National League with that Brewers and Diamondbacks game couple of other games I wanted to mention here that I don't have plays on, but I still wanted to talk about them real quickly. Um, the Yankees and Guardians game, Domingo Herman and Shane Bieber in this one. Uh, the Guardians anywhere from $1.45 to $1.55 favorite out there in the market. Total of seven and a half for this game. This is a game where we've only seen a little bit of movement on the juice for the over. Uh, the ball simply doesn't carry in Cleveland, despite the fact that the series against the Mariners – had some over games in it. They played an extra inning game that added a bunch of runs. Uh, the first game barely leaked over the total of seven and a half. Uh, but you know, I thought about this one because look, the guardians bullpen is really up against it right now. And I wrote about this in the daily article. They got a couple of guys that have appeared in six games already. They've got five guys that have appeared in five games already. James Karenchak looks like it's very hard to use him in high leverage right now because he's rattled by the pitch clock. The the Guardians are kind of, I don't want to say teetering, but, you know, the starting rotation is, is lacking a little bit right now. And the bullpen is going to get gassed at some point. So I thought about taking the Yankees here in this one, although their bullpen over the weekend, uh, they wound up with a pretty decent workload themselves. But Domingo Herman is a guy that his biggest issue is allowing home runs. Cleveland has hit five home runs so far this season, and they're tied for the most games played in baseball, I think. So they just don't hit for power. Really thought about taking the Yankees. May regret it uh, when all is said and done. Tough to go against a guy like Shane Bieber, of course, but that was a game where I gave a lot of thought to the Yankees. Uh, Another one where I gave some thought just simply because it's a step up in class. Uh, The the Rays and the Red Sox. So Jalen Beeks gets the start here for the Rays. He'll be followed by Josh Fleming, who's not particularly good. Nick Pavetta got blasted by the three main teams in the American League East last year the rays the yankees and the blue jays all took turns hammering him but man i mean tampa bay look i whatever 9 and 0 they've won f- every game by four or more runs but holy shit they played the tigers the nationals and the a's i mean look i get it they you know they're doing what they're supposed to do against bad teams and and you know as a fan of a team that i hope beats up on some bad competition coming up i'll certainly take it but the Red Sox are definitely a better team than what the Rays have seen here so far. So, thought about it, considered it, wasn't able to get there though. One other thing I want to mention before I get into the four plays that I have for today: so Seattle and Chicago, uh, the Mariners and the Cubs here. Luis Castillo, Drew Smiley in this one. Mariners anywhere from a dollar forty-five favorite to a dollar fifty favorite. That total also has gone up from eight to as high as nine out there in the marketplace. I'm not really expecting Luis Castillo to give up a lot of runs, but you know, here's another game where we see uh, some pretty clear interest on the over. But the reason I want to mention this game is because I can give you an inside peek at tomorrow and tell you that unless the line is crazy, I will be betting on the Cubs tomorrow with Hayden Wisniewski going up against Chris Flexen. So the Mariners, I talk about Cleveland's bullpen, the Mariners' bullpen is even more up against it. Uh, Penn Murphy leads the league with seven appearances. Andres Munoz just went on the DL. Uh, you got, you know, a lot of their guys have been throwing a lot of innings yesterday in extra innings against Cleveland. Two guys they called up from AAA, Justin Topa and JB Bukaskis, both pitched in extra innings. Those are guys they called up from AAA that day. Guys that weren't good enough to make the big league roster on opening day. And they're pitching in extra innings in high leverage because that bullpen is so gassed right now and they used some of the guys earlier on in the game as well so that's one where kind of hoping it's a close game today for the Mariners and the Cubs and they have to use some of their re- primary relievers again but I'm fading Chris Flexen tomorrow uh, in a road start in Chicago and fading that Seattle bullpen as well so just giving you a sneak peek for tomorrow uh, Hayden Wisniewski and the Cubs against the Mariners and I believe actually DraftKings Uh, already put up overnights for Tuesday. So let me see what that number looks like here. Uh, You got the Cubs a minus 115 favorite. No total on the game. That's just standard operating procedure with Wrigley Field. But that's one if if the Cubs are anything under $1.30 in that game, I'll be looking to take them uh, in that spot. So again, we'll see what happens in tonight's game. But I'm looking to fade the Mariners uh, bullpen and fade Chris Flexen in that start as well. All right, so let's get to the four plays here for this edition of v Daily Baseball Bets, and we start in the National League with a total that's actually moved down a little bit. Again, maybe a good indicator. We'll see. This is a game down in Atlanta between the Reds and the Braves. You got Graham Ashcraft on the mound for the Reds, Bryce Elder going for the Braves. Now, I believe I mentioned this last week on the show, or maybe I talked about it over the weekend on one of my v appearances, but. The Reds are a team that you have to handicap differently on the road than you do at home. They're just not nearly as good of an offensive team on the road, due in large part to the fact that their ballpark is just exceptional for hitting. Last year for the Reds, 246 average at home, 321 on base, 397 slugging. On the road, 224 average, so down 22 points, 287 on base, so that's down 34 points. And then their slugging percentage was down almost 50 points from road to home. And it was an even bigger split in 2021 where they scored 110 more runs at home than they did on the road. So this is kind of the Coors field effect in some ways where the ball just doesn't carry as well outside of great American ballpark. It's not super warm in Atlanta yet. So I don't like this reds lineup against Bryce elder. And I really like Graham Ashcraft in general Uh, Some interesting things with his slider that I wrote about in the article. Uh, The slider really ramping up. He throws a 98-mile-per-hour cutter. He gets a lot of swing and miss for a guy that doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but he also keeps the ball on the ground. Braves want to try to elevate the ball. I put the under first five, four and a half, minus 105 in the article here today, and I do like that play. Again, probably a little bit tricky to bet unders at this point with what we're seeing offensively, but that's one where – I do like both of these pitchers in this matchup here, specifically with who they're going against. Next game here, we go to the National League West, where I laid the price with the Dodgers here today. Uh, They're minus 150 at DraftKings. You can maybe find a little bit better than that out in the marketplace. But this is Julio Urias against Logan Webb. And look, for the Giants, I mean, this is quite simple. Urias doesn't allow home runs, and the Giants can only score via the home run. Also, the Giants have not faced many lefties this year. When they have, they've struck out in 40% of their plate appearances against Southpaws so far. I just don't see the Giants having a big offensive showing in this game. Their bullpen had to work a little bit against the Royals this past weekend. And for the Dodgers, you know, not the greatest of series for them against Arizona, but they were able to score some runs. They just gave up a lot of runs. And as I talked about already, Arizona very well set up for these rule changes. But the Dodgers, the bottom of their order is much better than I thought with James Outman and Miguel Vargas. They've really lengthened that lineup. And I thought with Gavin Lux going out, that would be the issue for the Dodgers, the bottom half of the order. But they've been much better than expected. So Dodgers minus 150, uh, laying the big number here against the Giants and Logan Webb in that one. Next up on the card here, how about an interleague matchup between the Houston Astros and the Pittsburgh Pirates? So obviously a very difficult blow. To the Pirates yesterday. O'Neill Cruz fractured Fibula. He's out for three to four months. Um, look, I mean, in terms of the Pirates' prospects of, you know, having a winning season, being a playoff contender, or anything like that, wasn't going to happen anyway. This is just a bad thing for O'Neill Cruz's development to basically lose out on a full season at this point in time. But this is a team I think they could rally a little bit here in this first game. They take on Framber Valdez. Remember, Valdez has allowed 14 hits in 12 innings, but he's only given up three runs and only two of them are earned. So he's gotten some batted ball luck with some traffic on the bases. That should kind of regress to the mean a little bit. He's already given up 16 hard hit balls and two starts as well. So I don't really love that for Valdez. And Rowan Contreras for the Pirates, I think he can be effective here. You know, the Astros are striking out way more than usual. Their strikeout rate, 24 and a half percent. They've been among the league leaders in not striking out over the last three, four seasons. So there's something going on here. They're not making a whole lot of contact. They don't seem fully engaged in the season as of now. Contreras is a guy that keeps the ball on the ground. You got to string together hits against him to score runs. The Astros are not really doing a great job of that right now. And the other thing here is that a good start to the season for the Pirates thus far, they lead the league. And reliever wins above replacement player using the Fangraph's calculation. They're top 10 in both ERA and FIP, whereas Houston's bullpen, below average so far. And this is a team that, you know, a lot of those guys threw a lot of innings last year. They didn't really add to the bullpen. A lot of times you will see a postseason hangover out of relief pitchers because of the extra mileage on their arms to throw those high-stress playoff innings. I think this is a good opportunity to take the Pirates here at a big plus money price, good bullpen. I think they have the bullpen advantage in this one. And as I said, I think the loss of Cruz may be a little bit of a rallying moment for this team. You know, Carlos Santana stands up for him as, as Sebi Zavala is yelling at him while he's on the ground, stuff like that. There's a little bit of belief with this Pirates team, even without O'Neill Cruz. So Pirates plus 155 making the card here for me. And then lastly, a pretty simple handicap here. Uh, It's Patrick Corbin on the mound for the Nationals. Everybody wants to bet against Patrick Corbin. And the Angels, their lineup looks pretty good here so far. You know, Mike Trout, he's locked in. He looks really, really strong right now. They've got a better lineup than what they've had in some previous seasons here. It's easy to go against Corbin. 51.4% hard hit rate in his first two starts. Uh, Giving up 10 runs on 17 hits in just nine innings. The Angels lineup should do their part here. The question is whether or not the Nationals lineup will do their part against Jose Suarez, and I think that this Nationals lineup will be pretty good against left-handed pitching as we go throughout the season here. They lead the league in plate appearances against lefties with 185. So platoon guys that typically only bat against lefties are getting a lot of reps early on in the season here. I think that's a really big positive for the Nationals, And for this offense, they've walked in an 11% clip against left-handed pitching so far. So they're being patient. They're seeing the ball well. Yeah, I know they scored a bunch of runs at Coors Field, and people are going to look down upon that because it's Coors Field. But I think this lineup is legitimately good. Well, legitimately average against left-handed pitching here, and that should be good enough in this game, I think. So instead of laying a big number with the Angels, putting them into a money line parlay, whatever else, I took the over 10 at minus one hundred five in that one, where I think they can get to Suarez, and I certainly expect the Angels to knock Corbin around. Also, don't really like either one of those bullpens. So to run back through here, we got the first five under four and a half at uh, minus one hundred five for the Reds and Braves. Lay in the Dodgers, price at minus one hundred fifty against the Giants. Pirates, a big underdog price, plus one hundred fifty five against Houston, and then finally over ten minus one hundred five in this Nationals and Angels game. As I said, if you get the chance, five-star reviews are always welcome. As I said last week, I'll send you some virtual hugs if you do that for me. Uh, But make sure you check out all of our content over at vcin.com. Lots of great stuff going on right now. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, to another edition of v Daily Baseball Bets. I'll be back tomorrow,
0: and I'm your host, Adam Burke.